excited actually when I got up this morning, begin to get ready. I don't know about you, but I like to get ready and uh, start my day to music, worship music. And I like to just turn on songs. One of the songs that I absolutely love is the, song, the last song we sang. We sang out about Jesus, how much we love him. And it was just such a beautiful thing just to take some time and to worship corporately. But I, I love just those times of being home and being able to worship in my bathroom or throughout the house. It's just how I get ready. It just starts my day off right. But this morning I was playing some music, a song called Residue, and it was about how Jesus just washed away all the old life and all those old things, and it got me pumped for this morning. So I am excited to talk to you, but I'm excited to launch this brand new series that Pastor Farrell just mentioned. We're talking about his pain and our gain. By a show of hands, raise your hand in this place if you enjoy pain. Anybody? Any takers? Okay, I thought so. When I was preparing for this teaching today, I was thinking about this. His pain, Jesus' pain for our gain. Jesus walked through quite a bit while he was on the earth. I mean, some of the big things we talk about was the fact that he was hung upon a cross. But even prior to hanging on the cross, the fact that he was whipped and beaten, almost to the point to where he was unrecognizable. I mean, Jesus walked through the pain of rejection, the pain of betrayal, And there's probably a long list of other things that we could list. But as I was preparing, I was thinking about this, his pain for our gain. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized, I'll take it. That's a good exchange. When I consider what Jesus took for me, there's no question in my mind that this is a great exchange. And I get to be the benefactor. I get to be one of the ones, and you get to be some of the ones who enjoy the goodness of him being willing to go through pain so that we could have gain. I wanna do this today. I want us to bow our heads and pray. And then as we're praying, I wanna ask that the Lord would open our hearts to his word, that we would even open our hearts to receive from him. And as we dive in today, I'm convinced that every single person in the room will be touched by what's said today. Not because you have the privilege of a handsome communicator standing before you. (laughs) I was actually talking about Pastor Farrell when he was up there just a moment ago. But uh, what I'm talking about is the fact that I believe the word of God is living and it's powerful. And even when we talk about things that may not spark the most joy when you hear the word like betrayal, it still touches every one of us because every one of us have walked through these type of things. So let's bow our heads today and let's pray together. Father, we come to you humbly saying thank you so much for this opportunity. An opportunity, first of all, to be alive today, to have breath in our lungs and you giving us mission while we're on this earth. Lord, also the opportunity to come and gather and worship corporately and to hear your word. Now, Lord, even though we're here corporately, we're asking that even individually you would speak to each of us. I can imagine in a room of this size, there are so many people who have various degrees and various layers of pain and hurts from betrayal. But Lord, we're praying that your living word would speak to us and meet us right where we are so that not only will we learn from your example, but that we would be healed and move forward and help others be healed as well. So we thank you for these things in Jesus name. Amen. So we know that Jesus had, we could say to to keep with the great theologian Annie, we can say that Jesus had a hard knock life. The truth of the matter is he walked this earth and as he walked this earth from the very onset of his ministry, it was pretty clear that there was a group of people, actually a few groups of people who did not like him. In fact, if I mentioned people like the group called the Pharisees or or even the Sadducees or, or even the scribes of the time, they really didn't like Jesus because of what Jesus stood for. He was taking the power away from them. 
and pointing right back to God. Jesus was demonstrating how to live life on this earth apart from trying to ensure that your rights and wrongs were in place every single day. He was teaching the common man and woman that you could be right with God. These people didn't like him, in fact, so much so that eventually it comes to the point where Jesus is hung upon a cross. Jesus is crucified. As I was preparing, I came across this. Uh, Catherine, excuse me, Colleen Schweier, PhD from Azusa Pacific University. She's a professor of biology. Listen to what she says. She says, crucifixion was invented by the Persians between 300 and 400 BC. It is quite possibly the most painful death ever invented by humankind. I don't know about you, but uh, I didn't really see any hands when I asked if you like pain. I remember the first time I was learning how to shoot a bow, my wife actually surprised me and she took me to, on a date night and we went to this, this indoor archery range and man, I was so excited because I'd never got my hands on a bow before. So I was like, man, I want to learn how to shoot a bow. So I remember the instructors teaching us and walking us through what to do and I'm just like, yeah, I'm trying to be a good student, but I'm like, can you just give me the bow? Like, let me get started, right? So as I'm kind of listening, I remember it was time for us to shoot and I stand myself up, I get my stance right and I grab this and it was a curve bow so I grabbed it and I drew back and as I drew the bow back I was excited because my wife and I are very competitive with one another and and, and she's really awesome but I'm even more awesome so I was ready to to really get into this so I drew this bow back and I remember I didn't remember at the time but I remember now the instructor told me when you draw back don't lock out your front arm leave a bend in your arm and for whatever reason, that just wasn't on my mind at the time. So I grab this bow and I draw back as much as I can and I lock my arm out and I release the bow and I hear this smack and I feel this pain. <laughs> the bowstring smacked me in the forearm and let me tell you, it hurt. And Star stopped and looked over and the instructor said, did you lock your arm out? And in my mind, I'm like, I don't know what I did, but it hurt, right? So I'm sitting there like, oh, and I can look down and look, listen, listen, I got a really great tan, but my arm was red. Like it was really red. It hit me hard, right? So I was like, my goodness. But listen, if I'm honest with you, three to four minutes in, the pain was gone. I was back to shooting, having a great time. How many of you know that's not how fast crucifixion is over? Crucifixion is a long, slow, painful death. Jesus was willing to take the pain of the cross, listen to this, for knuckleheaded people like me, knuckleheaded people like you. Matter of fact, look at your neighbor and say, knuckleheaded people like you. <laughs> the truth is, he was willing to take the pain of the cross for us. I love what Hebrews chapter 12 tells us. It says in the New International Version, it says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Listen to this. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Notice, for the joy that was set before Jesus. Jesus didn't have a close view. He had a long view in mind. He was looking out in the future saying, if I do this, all of these folks that I love dearly can be reconciled to me and to the Father. Not only that, I would imagine that Jesus was also anticipating being back with the Father. But for the joy that was set before him, he was willing to go through such a gruesome death. Why? His pain for our gain. I don't know about you, but that's something I want to say amen to. I'm grateful for the fact that he loves us that much. But we talk about the cross, and it's really easy to go that way because it's so apparent the pain and the hurt that Jesus 
had felt. But today I want to talk to you about the pain of betrayal. Man, when you consider Jesus' story and you consider what he walked through, the fact that he chose 12 unperfect but willing individuals, that he hand-selected them and said, I want you to be my disciple, so follow me and I will be your teacher. I will teach you to become fishers of men. The fact that Jesus would walk with these men and ultimately for him to get to the cross, he had to be betrayed by one of his closest earthly friends. The truth is betrayal hurts. Sometimes it hurts worse than physical pain. Jesus walked through some of the hardest things. I want to read in Luke chapter number 22. I want to set this up for you so we can kind of glance into his story. But verse number one says this. It says, now the festival of unleavened bread called the Passover was approaching. And the chief priest and the teachers of the law were looking for some way to get rid of Jesus. For they were afraid of the people. Goes on to say, then Satan entered Judas called Iscariot one of the 12. And Judas went to the chief priest and the officers of the temple guard and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. They were delighted and agreed to give him money. He consented and watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over to them when no crowd was present. Now, you got to understand this story. Jesus is walking with these 12 men of God who he's been pouring into for, for nearly three years, and, and he's pouring into their lives, and he's helping them to grow, and he's discipling them. And as he's doing such, the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day are looking for ways to arrest and eventually kill Jesus. But they didn't want to do it publicly because they could see that the people really liked Jesus, and they were afraid of the people. They were people pleasers. So they were trying to figure out a way. How can we arrest this man but not do it publicly? How can we figure out a way to get him where we want him? Notice then that Judas, one of Jesus' disciples, the Bible says that Satan enters him. He then goes to these religious leaders and they devise this plan. Listen, I can give you Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but my goodness, man. Can you imagine walking with Jesus, the son of God on the earth? You've seen the miracles. You've heard him teach. I mean, he's doing miraculous things everywhere he goes. It's phenomenal. But yet your heart is so hardened. You are so hardened that you can't even receive from him. And in fact, you give place to the enemy where the enemy himself is able to use you to devise a plan on how you would betray the one and only son of God. See, I don't want to teach us today just about the side of recovery from betrayal. I also want to talk a little bit about prevention. How do we prevent us being Judases in the earth? You see, it's interesting because Judas, you, if, you, if you just read his story at a glance, you think, wow, that's weird that he opened his heart to Satan and Satan allowed or caused him to do this. But you have to realize if you were to go back in the story, Judas was the treasurer. For this, we can call it a nonprofit. <laughs> Judas was carrying the money box everywhere he went. So as Jesus and his disciples were ministering, there were some who would give towards this ministry to help support them. Judas would collect the money, but the Bible tells us that he liked collecting the money because he could take from it whatever he wanted. Take a little here and a little there, skim a little off the top. See, Judas didn't just open his heart to the enemy at that moment. Judas had been cracking the door open a little more, a little more, a little more, a little more. So when an opportune time presented itself, the enemy was able to enter in, and then Judas became the betrayer. 
I want to encourage you, people of God, today, we have to be people that keep a watchful eye over our hearts. Can somebody say amen to that? We got to make sure that we're not those who allow our hearts to get hardened to the message of Jesus so that when he's speaking, we would hear what he's saying and we'd adjust where necessary. Come on, can somebody say amen to that? That's the only way that we can keep hearts soft enough that the Holy Spirit can correct and instruct and direct us when necessary so that we don't end up following the path of Judas. Now, back to the other side of this thing. These Pharisees, they're afraid, these religious leaders are afraid to to arrest Jesus publicly, so they find Judas, and they pay Judas a sum of money. We want to give you this money, and we want you to take this in exchange. We want you to give us Jesus, and Judas agrees to do this. But Jesus was aware of what was to come. I'm thinking even now, there's probably people inside of this room who have stories similar to this. Where in hindsight, you look back and you say, I remember this situation that happened prior to me being betrayed. Or I remember when this person said this. I didn't know it then, but it was an indicator of what was to come. Well, Jesus in Luke 22, verse 21 says, it says this in the scripture, but the hand of him who is going to betray me, this is Jesus speaking, the hand of him who is going to betray me is with me on the table. The son of man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to that man who betrays him. The disciples begin to question among themselves, which of them might it be who would do this? (laughs) Can you imagine sitting at dinner with Jesus? And he says, hey, us at this table, someone here is going to betray me. Can you imagine your eyes get big like, "Uh, is it me? (laughs) I don't want to be the one, right? But Jesus knows this is coming and he says this. And it's interesting enough that it still plays out the same way. If we skip down to verse 47 in that same chapter. Jesus is in the garden and it says this, while he was still speaking, a crowd came up and the man who was called Judas, one of the 12 was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus asked him this question, Judas, are you betraying the son of man with a kiss? (laughs) Remember, Jesus chose 12 imperfect people. He knew they had flaws. He knew they had issues. They saw the teachings, excuse me, they heard the teachings, they saw the miracles Nevertheless, Judas still chooses to betray Jesus. In fact, I want you to watch this video clip. It's going to paint a beautiful picture of what may have took place that evening. powerful moment. The intimacy displayed by a kiss. The closeness of their relationship. So we would think. Judas capitalizes on this 
relationship, we could call it. And he utilizes the closeness and the intimacy of a kiss to be the sign that he would use to betray the master. Isn't it interesting that Judas doesn't call Jesus Lord? He calls him rabbi all the time. Peter had revelation of the fact that Jesus was Lord, but it's not recorded that Judas ever had that type of revelation. I wonder if Judas was at a distance from the very beginning. He saw Jesus and maybe he was skeptical. Maybe he didn't buy into all of this, but he wanted to go along for the ride. Nevertheless, he allowed himself to get to a place where he betrayed our Lord with just a kiss. Now, if you're like me, the question you may be asking yourself is, why? Why would you betray Jesus? There's two things I want to offer you today that I believe are insights into maybe what Judas was thinking. Number one is that Judas was consumed by wrong motives. You know, many scholars believe that Judas, just like a lot of the Jews at the time, believed that when the Messiah would come, he would come back and by force overthrow Rome and restore Israel to power. You know, Judas may be a smart man in this case. He may have thought, if I get close to Jesus, then when he overthrows Rome and sets up his own government, well, guess what? I'm close enough that I can gain some power and be a part of maybe his leadership. Nevertheless, his motives were so wrong that he was willing to do whatever it took to try to get these things. Well, it's very clear in the scripture that Judas was also, had a, he had a hungry desire for material wealth. He wanted money, not just from the fact that he turned over Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, but also the fact that he was so willing to steal from the money box as if no one would ever know. How many of you know the love of money is a root of all types of evil? Judas's misplaced motives also caused him to miss what Jesus had been saying all alone. The truth is when your motives are in the wrong place, you don't even hear properly anymore. Sometimes you hear things and your filter is so off that you automatically interpret them to fit what you want. Secondly, I believe that uh, Judas thought that his actions were justified. Why not? Why wouldn't I do these things to make it better for me? Why wouldn't I do these things to set up a better future for me financially or to, to get myself a position of status? You know, today, uh, as Justice, Justin was leading us in worship, I was thinking about this. I've told him to his face multiple times. He has such a beautiful voice. And as he sings, it, it's just great. But I know that to sing like that, you have to warm up first. You have to prepare your vocal cords. Now, I'm not a singer at all. And if I was to sing today, you guys would probably run out of here as fast as you came in. But the truth is, I've heard people that know how to sing, and when they sing, they rehearse. They, they, they think, do things like, me, 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 me. Anyone ever hear that before? Me, 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 me. Go to practice. Look at your neighbor. Let's practice together. Me, 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 me. I think that's the same song that betrayers like Judas sing all the time. It's all about them. It's all about me, 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 me. What can I get out of this? How can this better me? How can this help me get ahead? Over and over again, Judas is demonstrating that it's really all about him. So number one, he was consumed by wrong motives. Number two, Judas believed his actions were justified. When people believe their actions are justified, it doesn't matter who they hurt. They're willing to do whatever it takes so that they can get ahead. So we know that Jesus experienced the pain of betrayal that every single one of us have experienced. He felt heartbreak of trust being broken. He felt the trauma that comes along when someone you love betrays you. 
I'm not a history buff, but I, I do like some of it. But I do remember the story of Julius Caesar. Even as I'm saying it, it might be sparking memories in your mind. Shakespeare did a great play on this. But in one of Shakespeare's play, A Group of Senators, he actually tells the story of Julius Caesar and how Julius was gaining so much power at the time that people were fearing that he was going to name himself the emperor of Rome. So Julius, wanting to do this, but the folks around him in the Senate, they didn't want that. They wanted to keep the strong Republican heritage that Rome had. So what did they do? They devised a plan to invite Julius to come to the capital. And he didn't want to go at first, but he eventually went. And when he got there, they brought him into the capital. And when he was there, they surrounded him and began to stab him to death. And it's interesting because this is where the story gets really good. They're stabbing him to death. And as he is dying, he looks over and he sees one of his best friends, a man by the name of Brutus. And he starts making his way towards Brutus in a, in a sense as a plea for help. And Brutus looks him in the eye, pulls out a dagger as well and stabs Julius Caesar. And Julius utters these words. He says, et tu, Brute. He literally says, even you, Brutus? I understood these other folks stabbing me, but my best friend? I remember when I was in high school, seems like a long time ago, I had a good friend, and I'll leave his name out of the story, but a really good friend of mine, and we went to the same middle school, and we were, we were best friends. We called ourselves boys. We were boys, you know? And uh, everywhere I'd go, he'd go, and everywhere he'd go, I'd go. We'd go to each other's house. We'd spend time together. We were best friends. But something happened. My family moved away, so we went separate ways. We lived in a different city than they did, so we weren't able to spend as much time together. we talk on the phone every now and then, but the relationship suffered because our proximity wasn't the same anymore. Well, my family moved a lot growing up, so we ended up moving back to the city that we moved from, and I was able to go back to the school where my friend was, and I'll never forget it. It was like a reunion. It was so amazing. We got to spend so much time together. I absolutely loved it, but then I met this young lady. You know how it is in high school, right? Everything is so serious in high school. It's a, it's a big deal. I met this young lady, and, and at first, things were great. The three of us, just the three of us, we were good friends. Everything was working out wonderfully, right? And I noticed something, though. I noticed that my best friend started spending some time with my girlfriend when I wasn't around. You know, you're in high school. You want to give the benefit of the doubt, but high school's filled with drama, right? So I just jumped into the drama pool two feet, and I'm like, what's going on here? This is weird. And before you know it, my best friend had a new girlfriend. My old girlfriend, right? (laughs) He took her away. And I remember thinking, good night, man. I thought we were boys. What happened? Hey, too, Brute. <laughs> you too? What's going on here, right? Listen, you may laugh and say, oh, that's nothing compared to some of the things I went through. I get it. I completely understand. The matter is, some of you may be sitting here in this place right now thinking, oh, man, if you knew what type of betrayal I've been through, if you understood what has happened between me and my husband or my wife and I, if you knew what happened between my mom or my sister and, and, and my brother, if you knew what ha- really happened when I started this business and, and the guy who started it with me or the young lady who started it with me, if you knew what really happened, that's the story you'd want to share. Listen, I guarantee that those stories are intense. But this is what I love about this scripture. We're not alone in this thing. 
The truth is we can look at Jesus and say, can you imagine how he felt when Judas, in a sense, figuratively stabbed him in the back and betrayed him with a kiss? You are not alone if you've been betrayed. You don't have to stay in the hurt, though. There is a way out. Can somebody say amen to that? Yes, it hurts. It doesn't feel good, but there is a way out. And let me tell you, the way out's name is Jesus. He's walked through it. He's experienced it. And from that experience, he wants to help you get the help that you need. How do we move through the pain of betrayal? I want to give you four keys that I think are important for us as we do so. Number one, we have to realize that we are doing life with messed up people just like ourselves. Realize you're doing life with messed up people just like yourself. How many of you would say, yes, my neighbor's life is messed up? Anybody? (laughs) Put your hand down, please. Put your hand down. The truth of the matter is all of us have issues. Every single one of us has issues. We can't get away from it. But the Bible is clear that we can get help in the midst of these issues. Once we realize that we're doing life with messed up people, it sets the standard at the right place, levels the playing field to recognize if we haven't felt betrayal, we will most likely feel it one day. But when we set our mind on the fact that, hey, all of us are trying to do this thing together, we're trying by the power of the Spirit of God to live like Jesus, it sets our thinking right. All of us are in process and none of us are perfect. So the truth is we will injure one another in relationship, but we have to be people willing to create boundaries and set up and establish the boundaries necessary to help us be safe and to help others be safe. Galatians chapter five, verse 16 says this, Paul speaking, he says, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do, so that you are not to do whatever you want. The truth is there's a battle inside, back and forth, back and forth. And as long as you're in relationship with people, you will feel the sting of betrayal. Number two, you want to move through Betrayal number two would be this. Choose to pray for the individual who has injured you through betrayal. (laughs) Choose to pray for the individual who has injured you through betrayal. How many of you know it's hard to hate someone you pray for? It's really hard to hate someone you pray for. You may think, well, why should I pray for them? They hurt me. I get it. But just as Jesus so willingly forgave us, shouldn't we also forgive others? I like what Colossians 3.13 says or excuse me, Matthew 5, 43, it says, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Wouldn't it have been better if it would have just said, pray for those who treat you really well? <laughs> pray for those who per- persecute you. Wait, you mean that one who betrayed me? Or you mean the one who lied on me? Or you mean the one who hurt me? Yeah, that's the one we should be praying for. Number three, choose to let go of the betrayal and the pain rather than holding on to it. Choose to let go rather than hold on. Colossians 3.13 says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Ouch. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. When I teach, I like to share pieces of my story because I feel like it brings it down to real life. But I told you guys some time ago that my father was arrested when I was nine years old and he served a long sentence in prison. And when I fast forwarded to the story, I let you know that uh, as a grown adult man in my 30s, I got word that my father was released from prison. 
Now, this was a, a, a mix of emotions at this time because it's like, wow, this is my biological father. However, I have not seen him for years. I was pastoring a church out in California, and I, all that kept coming to my mind is, you're a Christian man who loves Jesus. You pastor people. You tell them about forgiveness all the time. Here's your opportunity. Because I got word that my dad wanted to meet with me. Now, I hadn't seen him in about 25 years. And all of a sudden, we want to meet. I was just a little boy when, when he left, but I was a grown man now. But let's be honest. There were things inside of me that were not right because of the pain that I felt from him, in a sense, betraying our family with his actions. So I had to go to Jesus. And I said, Jesus, this is hard. It was easy to say I forgave him when he was locked up in prison and I didn't have to see him face to face. But now I'm going to see him face to face. I need to make sure that I've truly forgiven him. So I went to Jesus and I began to air my grievances and tell him about my hurts and my pains. And I felt like Jesus so sweetly just reminded me about how much he forgave me. And isn't it amazing how God can do things and just the, the snap of a finger, just that quick, your life can kind of flash before you. You can remember all the things you did, some of the good things and a lot more of the bad things. And I was just thinking about all the things that I did that I had come to Jesus and asked for forgiveness for and how he so freely forgave me and didn't even hold a grudge. And right there in that spot, I began to pray. And I said, Lord, I need your help to do this. I can't forgive this kind of way by myself. But here I am, and this is what I want. So, Lord, I release my dad of any hurt, any pain, all the memories we could have had, all the hurt that we didn't have to suffer, all the counseling we didn't have to go through, all the times where I was playing sports or, or doing something competitive and my mom was there, but my dad wasn't. I release my dad of all that. I release my dad of the fact that he wasn't there to teach me how to be a man. I release my dad of the fact that he wasn't there to show me how to shoot a basketball. I release my dad of these things. I remember driving to go see him. And when I pulled up in front of the house, he was already waiting outside. And he stood up. It was this moment where we locked eyes. And in that moment, so many things went through my mind. But you know what I was most grateful for in that moment? The fact that I've forgiven him. Amen. You see, I know that Jesus forgave me. And if I want to be a witness to anybody else on this earth, the only way that I can be a witness is to do what Jesus did. If I was to hold a grudge and then tell my dad, but yeah, I'm a pastor and I love people, but I'm really, really mad at you and I don't like you at all and I'm never going to forgive you. How many of you know that wouldn't have gone over well as far as witnessing to him for Jesus? But instead, I got to open up a relationship of great love with him and love for him. And even now, he's back in prison. He's back. But guess what? I still love him. I still hold the same truth that he's forgiven. I don't have a grudge towards him anymore. You know why? Because just as Jesus forgave me, I choose to forgive him. Lastly, I want to tell you this. You want to move past betrayal? You have to open your life to the benefit of community. Community is so key. In fact, Galatians 6.2 says this, carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. You know what's beautiful about community? Things get really heavy sometimes, but it's not nearly as heavy when you are not carrying it alone. I want to encourage you, if you've been hurt, if you've suffered the sting of betrayal from in your marriage or in friendships, in your jobs, in your business, whatever it may be, I want to encourage you to press into Jesus. I want to pray over you, in fact. And as I pray over you, I want to encourage you to pray. 
as I was asking God how we'd close this message, these simple things came to mind. I simply looked up synonyms for the word betrayal. And as I was praying, I thought, some of these words will hit your heart in a way that will make you understand even more so than simply the word betrayal. So can you do this favor for me? Can you just close your eyes, position your heart to pray to God? And I just want to begin praying. And as I'm praying, I'm going to read off, read off some of these words. And if any of these words hit you in a special place where you know, that's me, that's what I feel. I want to encourage you, just simply take that to Jesus and ask him, Lord, help me, help me to let go. Help me to forgive. Help me to receive the healing that I need so that I can release forgiveness and I can move past betrayal. So Father, we come to you today saying thank you for an opportunity to dig in something that's not a popular thing to talk about, but it's a necessary thing. Lord, the truth is every single one of us have felt some type of betrayal in our lives. And Lord, though the word betrayal may not specifically hit home for everybody, I know the word disloyalty or unfaithfulness, duplicity, or infidelity, or even treachery might hit the nail on the head for some. Lord, we pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would do what only you can do, that you would heal us in our hearts. Heal us deep in the areas that have been hurt and subject to these things. Lord, I pray that we would not only receive your healing today, but that we would also be looking forward to the opportunity to release others from what we've held them to. Lord, we release people today for any way they've betrayed or hurt us, anytime they were disloyal to us or unfaithful to us. We release people from duplistic actions, from infidelity, from treachery. Lord, we release them in the name of Jesus. We ask that you help us. We can't do this by ourselves. So we come to you and we say thank you that by the power of your spirit, you're not only moving us through, you're moving us to healing, wholeness, and health. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we clap our hands and thank God for his goodness today? Amen.